you are the general of your army? No. I was a captain. And who was your general? He was a lieutenant colonel. His name was Custer. I know this name. He killed many warriors. Oh, yes. Many warriors. So he was a good general? No. No, he wasn't a good general. He was arrogant and foolhardy. And he got massacred because he took a single battalion against 2,000 angry Indians. 2,000 Indians? How many men for Custer? 211. I like this General Custer. He was a murderer who fell in love with his own legend. And his troopers died for it. I think this is a very good death. Well, maybe you can have one just like it someday. If it is my destiny. <laughs> This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I open up with that scene from The Last Samurai. You know, I read an article on uh, social media about uh, The Last Samurai, and they're, they're kind of comparing the movie with, with uh, what really happened and uh, the, the, the inconsistencies and the similarities. And I said, you know what? I don't really care. I thought it was a great movie. And uh, so I, I happened to see it on, uh, on cable, so I watched half of it. Then we just got on Prime and watched the whole thing. And uh, and I love I love a lot of the scenes in this in this movie, but this this one, you know, where he's talking about General Custer, how he fell in love with his own legend, and his people died for it. And I think about Joe Biden. Hey, he's so in love with his own legend. He, we we've uh, we've illustrated over the over the last few years all the lies that Joe Biden tells about himself. You know, he's he was top of his class in law school. He got three degrees. When he didn't, he was in the bottom of his class. He only got one degree, barely graduated from law school. Um, you know, he's uh, he's uh, goes to Catholic church in the in the early in the morning, then he goes to a black church, then he stops by a community, uh, Puerto Rican community center, and he was born, you know, he was brought up black, he's brought up Puerto Rican, he's brought up just about anything, depending on his audience, he's he's there, he's Jewish, he's Catholic, he's uh, he's black, he's Puerto Rican, um, you know, and he's so in love with his own legend, you know, he's he tells these lies so so often that he starts to believe it himself, and the one thing that helps him believe that is when the the media still 
still carries his water for him. They they still they still harp his narratives and uh, and you know uh, Custer's soldiers died for his for his arrogance. Our country's dying for Joe Biden's arrogance, and uh, it's it's hard to believe that his uh, his cabinet and his military leaders they're not any smarter. They're not any smart any smarter than him because he didn't put in competence. He put in diverse. And uh, it's ugly for our country. Uh, that song was "Rush Free Will" from 1980. You know, uh, you know, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And uh, you know, I say, hey, you know what? Uh, politics affects all of our lives. The government stuff affects all of our lives. And if you choose that it's too uh, too offensive for you, you you'd rather you'd rather uh, pay attention to who's in the Super Bowl uh, in a couple of weeks. You'd rather cho- uh, uh, follow up on the Dodger games and and the uh, and uh, the the Lakers and the Clippers and all that stuff. If that's more important to you than what's going on, you know, you get what you get. So anyway, I do the main event so I can uh, help you guys. Uh, hey, if you don't if you don't listen to any other shows all week, if you don't watch the news, if you don't pay attention. Listen to my show once a week, and uh, and I'll give you the highlights and the stuff that you should probably be thinking about and should be considering, and the stuff that I see and I and I and my opinion of it. So anyway, before I go before I go any further, let me introduce myself to those that you don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're ready to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities that are real estate, if you uh, if you've read my book, I talk about about the the market cycle and all the stages of the market cycle and right now we're 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 coming into a buyer's market one which uh which ends with a buyer's market two so if you've been uh, on the sidelines thinking about investing in real estate now's the time you should be watching now's the time you should be watching on on whether you're buying a house to live in or you're buying a house to uh uh to for an investment you should be watching the market now you should be getting ready. We'll see the economy go into recession if it's probably already in a recession, but we'll see it to where the, the government actually admits that we're in a recession and we'll see uh, rates start coming down. As we're seeing a little bit slowly, but probably towards May, we're going to start seeing some uh, uh, interest rates come down more and that's going to bring opportunity. That's going to bring opportunity and you're going to start seeing uh, prices of houses go down and you're going to see some opportunities out there. So if you're uh, if you're thinking about that, read my book, Experience Matters, Here's Mine. There's about four chapters in there talking about uh, the very specifics of uh, investing in real estate and the very specifics of, uh, of watching the market cycles and exact specifics of what I did and how to invest in real estate, not from a get-rich-quick scheme, but from a standpoint of buy one house. Buy one house, do this, do that. Here's here's what houses to look for. Um, buy one house, fix it up, stick a renter in it, take a deep cleansing breath, make a couple of payments, and then say, okay, I like that. Let's do it again. And one one uh, house at a time. So if you don't have so if you don't have a million dollars in the bank and you have you have a you know you have ten thousand or twenty thousand. You can do this one property at a time, but you got to watch the cycles, and we're going into that. So, uh, if you're looking to buy a house, the the rates are going to be coming down, and uh, as the rates come down, for those of you over 62, uh, opportunities with reverse mortgages get better because the the older you are, the lower the interest rates are, uh, the more money you get 
from, from your house. But anyway, if you want information on that, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. So uh, if you don't want to, if you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo, and that'll take you to the my lending page. Go in there, create an account, put in a create a username and a password and go put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated or you missed or you missed it on the radio, you can stay on at Hoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows and listen to it on demand anytime. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, where you can actually subscribe for free. And uh, once a week of Friday mornings, I record. Friday afternoons, it, it uploads to uh, to the the websites, and it'll sh- download shortly thereafter onto your onto your vice, device, your your iPhone, your iPod, your iPad, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your computer, anything you listen to uh, podcasts on. I'm sure there's more devices than than I know about, because um, every time I walk into a a Best Buy or a uh, or uh, the the electronic section of Costco, or Sam's Club, or a Verizon store. There's new stuff that I've never never heard of. Um, and of course, you can always hear the show on the radio. So uh, anyway, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. All right, so uh, let's talk about what's going on. There's more classified documents in the saga. It continues this week with the revelation that most most recent discovery of documents Joe Biden had were from his time as senator. So last Friday, right after we finished last week's show, the FBI found another bunch of classified documents, or a batch, or a tranche, or a trove, or whatever they're calling them now, during the extensive search of Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home. So that's the same one with the garage that's uh, locked up with his Corvette in it, same one where they found uh, stuff in his uh, in his house, in his uh, in his garage, and, of course, they found it in his private office at the Penn Biden Center. And who knows, so far they haven't searched the beach the beach house in Delaware yet. Uh, this is on top of the documents found in November and December that we just learned about two weeks ago. So I point that out and say, hey, they found them a week before the, uh, before the midterm elections. Then they, then they searched some more, and they found more December 20th. But we didn't hear till about the first week in, uh, in January – Hmm. Why would that be? What are they hiding from the people? Yeah, but we're the most transparent uh, administration in history. I don't think so. I don't think so, Biden. You're starting to believe your own BS. So Biden's attorney, Bob Bauer, confirmed on January 21st that the FBI concluded a 13-hour search of Biden's home in Wilmington. Took six items containing classified documents with additional markings. Uh six items we don't know if those are documents or folders or boxes or tranches or troves or whatever they are in addition they also took possession of some of his handwritten notes dated to his time as vice president this time the documents were found in biden's private library inside the house so apparently this library is so private that even his private attorneys aren't allowed in there but the fbi did go in there and they found six something six items six items Don't know how many documents that is, but it's six items. 
Remember, by the end of last week, Team Biden had started floating out the idea that all these documents were mistakenly packed to go home with Biden by a secretary who didn't know what she was doing. In other words, they're trying to pin it on somebody to let somebody else take the fall. Specifically, they pointed the finger at Janet Chung, Biden's administrative assistant when he was vice president. This poor lady, Janet Chung, had released a statement that she was distressed to learn that she may have inadvertently been involved in moving or storing classified material when packing up Biden's White House office boxes. But guess what? They can't blame his vice presidential secretary for documents that were taken 15 years ago when he was a senator. Hmm, this is peculiar. Back then, Biden was was only allowed to view classified documents when he was sitting in a committee or locked up in a skiff. Now, I've been hearing this word skiff for the last couple of weeks, just like you, and I'm going, what's a skiff? So a skiff is an acronym for Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility. So it's a, it's a place where you can look at uh, classified documents. So I looked it up, and it's a picture. It looks like, a, it looks like one of those storage containers or those uh, uh, cargo containers that you see on the back of trains when you're stuck, stuck at a train stop. Uh, uh, train, uh, train crossing, railroad crossing, and you have all these boxes stacked on these flatbed uh, uh, cars on the on the uh, on the on the train. Except for there's there's one door at one end, and you go in and you're locked in there with the documents. And the inside of them they they vary from one place to another. But you go in there, you you get the documents, and I don't know if you check them out before you go in there, or if they have some place you check them out from inside there, but you leave and you give back the documents. So you can look at them, but no one can look over your shoulder that isn't, that isn't authorized, and you're not allowed to take them home. Uh, back then, Biden was only allowed to view classified documents in the skiff. Here's George W. Bush's press secretary, Ari Fleischer, on that. I want to separate one issue about president and vice president leaving office where taxpayers pay somebody to pack those boxes and what Senator Joe Biden did apparently taking a classified document with him from a skiff. That had to be deliberate. If somebody else packs your box on your last day at the White House or the last day at the Naval Observatory and you have no idea and it goes to Mar-a-Lago or it goes to Wilmington, it could be inadvertent. But how, as a senator, can you walk across the street from your office to the skiff in the Capitol, get handed a document, put it in your pocket, and leave with it? That is deliberate, and that's a problem. Yeah, and people are making a big deal about, hey, you know, uh, Trump did this. Trump was president. Hey, uh, you know, uh, now, uh, you know, Trump was this. And what, what were the documents? It doesn't really matter what the documents were because he broke the law. He broke the law. And you've heard a lot of senators and a lot of Congress people comment on this is, how did he get him out of there? I'm not allowed to take stuff out of there. I know the rules. We go in there, we look at the documents, we give them back, and then we walk away. We're allowed to look at them. We're not allowed. To, and they and when you go in there, they take your, your phone so you can't take pictures of it. You, you, know, you look at it. You get to learn the information. You don't get to take pictures of it. You don't get to take copies of it. And it's very, it's very, t- you know, what I don't understand is, is why aren't they like a, a a library? A library, you know, the library has all all these things on file, and when you don't bring your book back, they know and they start fining you, and they and they know what's in their system. How does the uh, National Archives have documents get handed to a senator or a, or a uh, congressperson and not get them back and not know?
This is this is uh, weird to me. This is peculiar. Now, Biden was on the Foreign Relations Committee from 97 to 2008, where he was uh, committee chairman for two years. So he, kn- he knew he couldn't just take take these documents home and and realize this is the same senator, uh, you know, that that sexually assaulted a, a one of his uh, one of his aides, Tara Reid. And uh, come on, man, I thought you liked me. This guy thinks he's invincible. This guy thinks that he's above the law. And wait a minute. What did they say about Trump? Hey, you know what? No one's above the law. Not even a president. Not even a former president. Now it's a Democrat. Now it's the president who did this when he was a senator, did it when he was a vice president. And what are we talking about? I don't know. We're talking about uh, we're talking about everything that Biden can talk about except for the fact that he broke the law. So last, la- last week we talked about how Hunter had been claiming this house as his own residence. And in, some, and in some places he actually claimed that he owned this house. That was interesting. It gave us an ad- idea about how much Biden's crackhead son with shady business in China and Ukraine had access to classified documents. But it wasn't the smoking gun just yet. But we may have one this week. In a new piece in the New York, New York Post, laptop from hell expert Miranda Devine broke the story of yet another new email discovered on Hunter's device. And this one is fascinating. From the article, this is a thread that links the president to the long-running Delaware federal investigation into his son's foreign business dealings. That three-year period corresponds to the most frenetic influence-peddling activity overseas by his son Hunter and brother Jim Biden, who made millions of dollars from shady interests in Ukraine, China, Russia, and elsewhere. How much more valuable would their product be if they had access to classified documents? One striking email during this period stands out. Now pay attention, everyone. Here's the email. It was from Hunter to business partner Devin Archer on April 13, 2014, one week before Joe Biden visited Ukraine to meet then-Prime Minister uh, Yatsenyuk. The announcement of my guy's upcoming travel should be characterized as part of our advice and thinking. But what will he say and do is out of our hands. Hunter Biden wrote, in other words, it could be a really good thing or it could end up creating too great of an expectation. We need to temper expectations regarding that visit. So the guy visiting Ukraine uh, that, is, that Hunter is referring to is his dad, the vice president. Hunter is telling his partner they need to temper Burisma's expectations about vice president of the United States meeting with their country's leader. Now back to the article. For Hunter, it was an uncharacteristically lengthy email listing 22 points about Ukraine's political situation. With detailed information about the upcoming election and predicting an escalation in Russia's destabilization campaign, which could lead to a full-scale takeover of the eastern region. Hmm. Gee, what's been happening in Ukraine for the past 11 months? Would you call it a destabilization campaign by Russia? Where the same person who was kicked out of the Navy for smoking crack... Suddenly sounds like he works for the Pentagon. He's got all this, all this interesting uh, analysis of what's going on. So go back, going back to his email. The strategic value is to create a land bridge for RU, meaning Russia, but he's using a code that, the, that the, they use in classified documents, RU. The strategic value is to create a land bridge for RU to Crimea. That won't directly affect Burisma Holdings, but it will limit future UK exploration and utilization of offshore opportunities in particular. So he's talking about they're gonna they're gonna create this bridge and it will and it will uh, limit the opportunities that the United Kingdom can uh, look for uh, for gas and oil 
uh, offshore. And as we all know, there was a land bridge built from Russia to Crimea the next year. Putin just tried to blow it up last fall, and that's not the point. The point is that Hunter knew about it before it was built and was using that knowledge to inform the Ukrainian company that he was on board of. This is what they're paying him $83,000 a month for. So remember, as, uh, as Handy said, hey, he's uh, no experience, no experience Hunter. So remember, uh, Hunter has no knowledge of, of uh, gas or oil, oil industry. He has no ability to speak Ukrainian. He has nothing to nothing to offer but somehow Burisma Holdings put him on the board the board of directors and paid him $83,000 a month $1 million a year what value did he bring to Burisma Holdings hmm and again I say hey uh, Biden got aid from our taxpayer fund $1.6 billion and and funneled it to to Ukraine and Ukraine somehow funneled it through Burisma and a million dollars a year went back to the Biden family and of course, we know from uh, from emails or text messages that that uh, that that Hunter had to split split half of his paycheck with pops. So in point twenty two, Hunter instructed Devin Archer to buy a burner phone, presumably to keep their conversations private. Buy a cell phone from Seven Eleven or CVS tomorrow, and I'll do the same. Miranda Devine calls Hunter's email prescient. That's a word that means having knowledge of events that haven't happened yet which is exactly what Hunter seems to have had. She concludes, and unlike anything else Hunter wrote in the nine years covered in the, in the laptop, it has a distinct flavor of an official briefing, perhaps even a classified one. Where is she going with this? So in other words, all of a sudden there's uh, classified documents. Hunter does, is, doesn't write very smart or very long emails, but somehow he copied and pasted from this classified document that, that uh, Biden had in, in, at his home, where Hunter is, and gave access to that information to the Ukrainians. So, what's the what's the what's the the point of this? The point is that that Joe Biden and his whole family are as corrupt and dirty as they get. And of course, uh, you know, we didn't want Trump. They they were accusing Trump was going to sell the uh, nuclear codes to foreign governments. The Democrats always point their finger at at Trump and the Republicans and accuse them of doing exactly what the Democrats are doing. So anyway, while it's obvious at this point the Democrats are happy to let the classified documents take down a president they don't want to see run again, Team Biden did get some relief this week in the form of a new discovery. Classified documents found at the Indiana home of his vice presidential successor, Mike Pence, which uh, Pence had his lawyers search for and report immediately, unlike Biden. Of course, uh, we all know Biden's a Boy Scout, and he wouldn't ever do anything wrong. So uh, apparently Mike Pence was working on his last merit badge so he could finally get his Eagle Scout. So how did they how did they get there? According to CNN, while Pence's vice presidential office did a rigorous job of sorting through and turning over any classified material, these documents appear to have inadvertently slipped through the process. The VP's resident at the U.S. Naval Observatory has a secure facility for handling uh, classified material, and it would be common for documents to be there for the vice president to review. Some of the boxes at Pence's Indiana home were packed up from the Naval Observatory, while some came from the White House in the final days of Trump administration. Here's Pence being interviewed by ABC News in November regarding his book, So Help Me God, and in response to the classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago. We sit here in your home office in Indiana. Did you take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh, I, I did not. 
So he did not. He had no knowledge of him, and or at least he's he just sounds sincere when he's lying. We all know Mike Pence is a Boy Scout, as I said, so it seems unlikely that he took them on purpose. And unlike Biden, Mike Pence doesn't have a son who sold access to the White House while living in the residence where the classified documents are being hidden. And we already know Biden's documents contain information on Ukraine specifically. And this week we see Hunter Biden's email about Ukraine that sounds like he copied and pasted it from classified documents. Biden and Pence were both vice presidents, but that's where the similarities seem to end. Hey, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event, so stay tuned for uh, five minutes, weather, traffic, sports, and commercials, and I'll be right back with lots, lots more. I will Back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio, but uh, you know, if you're if you're interested in finding out uh, what your uh, options are uh, with your real estate or with real estate that you'd like to be yours, uh, or if you want to find out some more information on that reverse mortgage thing for those of you over 62 or with a spouse that's over 62, where you got more a little more equity in equity in your house than you have in the bank. Uh, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. And uh, so anyway, in the in the first half, we were talking about classified documents. We were talking about uh, all the all the peculiarities that we learn as the as the classified documents get going. And uh, we and we learned about Mike Pence having them, and we learned about the White House not saying anything about it. Hey, you know what? Uh, if if hey, why why does the president have this? Hey, why is the why is uh what are you thinking about Mike Pence? Hey, what what's the uh, what's going on at the Delaware uh, the Delaware Beach House? Has that been has that been searched? I know somebody said Friday morning that they asked uh, Biden as he's uh, heading out to the Delaware Wilmington House. Of course, how come he gets to start every weekend on a Friday morning? Hmm. Is it a national holiday or something? No, he just takes, he only works four days a week. And even those four days, he only works part-time. So, uh, but they asked him, hey, is there a reason that you're not going to the beach house this weekend? Is there any reason, like, maybe the FBI is going to be there? Which, uh, I don't put anything past the FBI. But it seems like the, uh, the Justice Department has painted themselves into a corner by by making a big deal about Trump stuff, and now and now they they just look stupid if they if they don't go after the Biden stuff. And again, it's not about it's. Not, I've heard so many people on the radio and on uh, on TV say, well, you know, we we overclassify things. You know, some of these things aren't necessarily neat. You know, we classify everything, so it makes it having any documents uh, makes any documents a uh, uh, a crime, or it's you know you're not supposed to have them. Well. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. The law is if you're a senator, you don't get to take them. You get to look at them at the skiff. And if you're and if you're a vice president, you're not supposed to take them home. Especially when you're not vice president anymore. And if you're a president, you have the ability to declassify things um and the vice president doesn't. So anything that Biden did is against the law. Hey, if he has stuff at his home that's that's uh that's uh classified that started that the documents were created after January 20th, 2021. Okay, he's the president. He's the 
he's the installed piece of broccoli that, that represents the presidency. I don't think he was elected, but again, he's he has that position now, so he could declassify him. But he didn't have that ability when he's a vice president. Didn't and he didn't have the the ability to take documents away from the skiff when he was senator. So he's got a long history of breaking the law. So uh, so we've been talking about that, and in that same in that same mood, in that same uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In that in that same thought process, um, we're watching we're wa- now watching our new speaker of the house protect the country from people that can't be trusted. And on Tuesday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy formally rejected two Democrats, the not-so-esteemed California Congressman Adam Steaming Pile Schiff and the not-so-esteemed Eric Swalwell, I'm sorry, Swalwell, Freudian slip there, from serving on the House Intelligence Committee on account of the fact that they're both walking national security nightmares. Remember, it's only been two years since we learned that the smarmy Eric Swalwell fell prey to a Chinese honeypot spy named Christine Fang, a.k.a. Fang Fang. Not just once, but for four years, from 2011 to 2015. As he was first running for Congress, they latched onto him and, uh, and started being an influence. They sent a Chinese spy to, uh, to get in, to get in uh, close with him so they could get secrets from him. She helped raise money for his re-election campaign in 2014 and convinced him to hire an intern who was most likely another Chinese spy. When all this came out in 2020, you may remember we covered it here, Swalwell's office was asked if his interaction with Fang was of a physical nature, and they said that information was classified. Really? But I think we all know what's going on. Let's see. He's uh, snuggling up with this Chinese spy, and uh, he's taken her to social events, and they've been together for four years. I think it was of a physical nature. Just common sense tells me that. I had a, I had a former employee who... Uh, who sent her uh, who sent her, uh, her her daughter off to college at University of Redlands and I'm going well she could drive there why are you letting her live on campus she goes well I just wanted to have the whole college experience I said uh, I said fresh with partying smoking weed having sex she goes oh my daughter won't be doing any of that stuff and I said yeah okay mom whatever you think whatever you think your kids are your daughter's different than every other college kid out there that goes for the college experience. No worries. So, hey, you know, uh, if uh, if they were uh, together for four years, I'm sure it wasn't physical, no. McCarthy defended his decision on Tuesday, first addressing why Swalwell should be nowhere near any kind of sensitive documents they see on the Intel Committee. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. He cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. So would you like to give him a government clearance? You asked me questions about Santos. You asked the questions about Swalwell. Not only was he getting a clearance, he was inside an intel committee. He had more information than the majority of all the members. Did you ever raise that issue? No, which you should have. You're going to tell me there's 200 other Democrats that couldn't fill that slot? but they kept him on it. The only way that they even knew it came forward is when they went to nominate him to the Intel Committee. And then the FBI came and told the leadership then, he's got a problem. And they kept him on. That jeopardized all of us. Yeah, so in other words, 
Well, Nancy Pelosi is saying how we have to we have to protect democracy and we have to do what's right for our country, and we have to do this against Trump. We have to do that against Trump. Um, if she was truly looking out for the country, when the FBI told her that hey, we have a problem with Eric Swalwell, she would have taken him off the intelligence committee. Does that make sense to anybody? Because my logically thinking brain says, hey, if this guy if this guy can't be uh, can't be trusted to keep uh, foreign foreign spies away from him, if he can't be trusted to to keep secrets, you don't let him see the secrets that are really important. And and again, McCarthy does says that he's not keeping keeping these guys off off all committees. He's keeping them off the important ones where they get to see national secrets. Remember, rather than being asked to step down in 2020, Swalwell was instead rewarded with a position as one of Trump's impeachment managers alongside none other than Adam Schiff. Here's McCarthy on him. Adam Schiff openly lied to the American public. He told you he had proof. He told you he didn't know the whistleblower. He put America for four years through an impeachment that he knew was a lie. At the same time we had Ukraine, at the same time we had Afghanistan collapse. Was that the role of the Intel Committee? No. So what I am doing with the Intel Committee, bringing it back to the jurisdiction is supposed to do. Forward looking to keep this country safe. Yeah, so uh, that's our speaker. That's our speaker doing the, doing, the, doing the job he's supposed to do. Schiff has been whining about McCarthy all week. Here was his first response. If McCarthy believes this will somehow stop me from uh, pointing out when they abuse their power, when they endanger the country, uh, it's not going to stop me at all. Uh, and I will simply work with Leader Jeffries to find new ways to continue holding them to account. And all of this was fueling speculation. The shift would announce he was running for Senate, uh, even though Dianne Feinstein, who will be 90 years old uh, here soon, said she doesn't know if she's running, if she's going to uh, retire or not, or if she's going to run for re-election. Hold on a second. For those of you California voters out there, I hope you're smart enough if Dianne Feinstein runs for re-election at 90 years old, that you're smart enough to not vote for her. Of course, if you want my opinion, California voters are not smart enough to uh, make that make that distinction, make that, hey, you know what? Well, Feinstein, there's a there's a name I know. I'll just click on her. Or hey, it says Democrat. On the other hand, if Adam Schiff runs against her, I hope you're smart enough not to vote for Adam Schiff, which I don't have much hope that the uh, California voters or the majority of California voters will will uh, will take the thought process it takes to say, is he the best thing for our country? Is he the best thing for California? And uh, and of course, I hope also that the California Republican Party finds somebody really awesome to run for senator. And one name that I think of is Daryl Issa. I know that's a, a Republican congressman uh, that we'll have to replace with another Republican congressman, but I think Daryl Issa would make a great senator for California. Then Thursday morning, we got a statement from Schiff that he is indeed running along with the new Adam Schiff for Senate website. And this is pitiful plea for money on TikTok. Today, Kevin McCarthy removed me from the House Intelligence Committee, all for doing my job, for holding Trump accountable and standing up to the extreme MAGA Republicans. We knew it would be bad when the Republicans took over, but it's far worse than we expected. But I can promise you this, this is not the end of my fight for our democracy. This is just the beginning. Please 
Join us and contribute today. Thank you. Please give me money. McCarthy's being so mean to me, and I'm, I'm not going to just go away. I'm not going to take my ball and go home. I'm going to run for I'm going to run for Senate. So please send me money. You know, people that send him money clearly have more dollars than cents. Uh so he's not guaranteed to get the uh get to be the candidate. Uh two other Democrats believed to be running are uh Katie Porter, a uh Democrat congressperson from uh Orange County and Ro Khanna, who's a Democrat congressman for from uh, Silicon Valley. So you have LA you have LA, you have uh, Orange County, you have Silicon Valley that all be running uh, for Diane Feinstein's seat, and and I'll tell you, and I'll just tell you here, Diane Feinstein's retiring. All week long, reporters have been asking McCarthy why he's blocking Schiff and Swalwell from Intel, but allowing George Santos to serve on other committees. We haven't talked about Santos here, but the media is loving this story. In case you haven't heard, George Santos is a newly elected Republican from New York who lied about his background to get elected. He lied about a lot of other weird stuff, and he's probably a few screws loose. He's probably a few sandwiches short of a picnic basket. Um, Not the sharpest tool in the shed. I'll come up with a whole bunch of these. Uh, Let me know if you'd like to talk more about Santos, but I don't have any desire to, and Kevin McCarthy doesn't either. Here's about two minutes of him eviscerating the reporters on this. He's got elected by his district. So... Okay, let let me be very clear and respectful to you. You ask me a question. When I answer it, it's the answer to your question. You don't get to determine whether I answer your question or not. You just raised a question. I'm going to be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, and he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not, and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, He said he he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel, because it goes to the national security of America. And I will always put them first, all right? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the intel committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing. So I do not believe he should sit on there. That committee, 
And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. So this has nothing to do with Santos. Santos is not on the Intel Committee. But you know what? Those voters elected Schiff, even though he lied. Those voters elected Swalwell, even though he lied to the American public, too. So you know what? I'll respect his voters, too, and they'll serve on committees. But they will not serve on a place that has national security reverence because integrity matters to me. That's the answer to your question. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. That's what I like to hear. You know, I uh, I have said many times, I don't know if McCarthy's tough enough, but he clearly grew a pair, and he's, uh, and he's, it's what I like to hear. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what he said. And uh, he's doing, he's doing what, what is right. He's standing up for what is right. And that's what, that's what Trump did. And I'm just fine with that. I'm fine with that. Do what's right for the people. Don't do what's best for you. Don't do what's most popular. Don't do what the what will make uh, the the media love you. Do what's right for the American people. That's what we elected. That's why we elected elect people. And say, hey, I'm going to let this guy represent my interest. And of course, the Democrats are not smart enough to figure out. Hey, I elect. I voted for all these guys, and they're making my life worse. I think I'll vote to reelect them. Oh, and. Uh, What's the what's the score on the Dodger game today? I'm not really sure. Let's just check that out. Flip the station. <clears throat> Pathetic. So anyway, we're one month away from the one year anniversary of Russia's war on Ukraine, and now there's intelligence that points to Russia planning another major invasion in in the spring. Hmm. We have intelligence that they're planning another invasion. I wonder if a year ago, if had we thought this, hey, there's intelligence to say that Russia's in. Uh, planning an invasion of Ukraine because they're lining up all their military on the border of Ukraine and, uh, and Russia. Hmm, maybe we should do something about that. And then, you know, when Biden said, well, they haven't done anything yet. If Trump was in there, he would have said, hey, Putin, I see what you're doing. We're going to put sanctions on, on Russia to make things tough for you if you don't pull away. Biden said, well, they haven't done anything yet. Really? Let's wait till, till a few hundred thousand people die. So, as we all know, President Zelensky has continued to ask Western allies for modern tanks to defend itself against Russia. And he was asking for planes until recently. For months, there was pressure on Germany to send its Leopard tanks to Ukraine. But they said that they would not unless the U.S. agreed to send our M1 Abram tanks. On Wednesday, the Biden administration announced it. Uh, would send 31 American-made Abram tanks to Ukraine. So Germany and European allies will now send theirs. Biden made this announcement Wednesday morning right after he forgot what the Secretary of Defense is. Spring approaching, Ukrainian forces are working to defend the territory they hold and preparing for additional counteroffensives. To liberate their land, they need to be able to counter Russia's evolving tactics and strategy on the battlefield in the very near term. The Secretary of State and the Secretary of, of, the, uh, of uh, uh, the military behind me, uh, are uh, they, they've been deeply, deeply involved in this, this whole effort. Armored capability, as uh, General Austin will tell you, speak, uh, uh, is, has, been, has been critical. Yeah, the Secretary of the military should be the Secretary of Defense. And, of course, General Austin should be called Secretary Austin, although he shouldn't be Secretary of Defense anyway. Well, here's the actual announcement. Last week, Germany, in Germany, Secretary Austin convened the Ukraine Defense Contact Group for the eighth time. 
This group is made up of some 50 nations, 50 nations. The UK, the United Kingdom, recently announced that it's donating Challenger 2 tanks to Ukraine. France is contributing AMX-10s, armored fighting vehicles, in addition to the Leopard tanks that Germany, like the United States, is also, Germany is also sending a, pet, a Patriot missile battery. The Netherlands is donating Patriot missile and launchers. France, Canada, the UK, Slovakia, Norway, and others have all donated critical air defense systems. Poland is sending armored vehicles. Sweden is donating infantry fighting vehicles. Italy is giving artillery. Denmark and Estonia are sending howitzers. Latvia is providing more Stinger missiles. Lithuania is providing anti-aircraft guns. And Finland recently announced its largest package of security assistance to date. Together with our allies and partners, we've sent more than 3,000 armored vehicles, more than 8,000 artillery systems, more than 2 million rounds of artillery ammunition, and more than 50 advanced multi-launch rocket systems. Clearly, we are in World War III. The only difference is we're not fighting it. Ukraine's fighting it. We're sending them equipment that they don't know how to use so they, so they can fight it for themselves. But with that many countries sending equipment, doesn't that sound like World War III, except for it's not Hitler this time, it's Putin that we're all fighting against? This abrupt turn of events is odd considering that John Kirby just said last week, now is not the right time to send 70-ton M1 Abram tanks because they are costly and require a significant amount of training to operate. So Biden was asked about the timing of the decision. Uh, were you bullied, being bullied by Germany? Mr. President, why are you taking this decision now? Did Germany force you to change your mind on sending tanks? Germany didn't force me to change your mind. We wanted to make sure we were all together. That's what we're going to do all along. And that's what we're doing right now. Thank Mr. you. Mr. President, any response to the Pence disclosures? Of yeah, the country, the countries that are most influenced by by this uh, happening in Europe, they're not doing anything until the United States does. Hmm, does that seem odd? Trump would go over there and say, "Hey, wait, we're not even over there. We'll we'll give our fair share, but you guys need to be proactive because this is right in your backyard." When the when will the tanks be delivered is still un, unclear, and it normally takes several months to train troops to use the tanks effectively. These are not going to be tanks that are going, going on the ground next week or next month, a former Defense Department official told CNN. On Fox's Outnumbered, Trump Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was asked about this on Wednesday. Look, I'm, I think this is the right decision. I also think it's too late. Uh, and But I suppose better now than never. But we should have done this a while back. Uh, we should have been providing the Ukrainians with the tools that they needed and could use. Uh, we do have to make sure we get them the right training. This is a beast. The M1 tank is an incredibly powerful piece of equipment. Uh, so are the Leopard, and they talked about UK's Challenger tank as well. These are three world-class uh, armaments. We need to make sure they have these tools. The only way to bring this to an end is to convince Putin that the cost is too high. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, Reagan did uh, with uh, Gorbachev. I think it was Gorbachev when he said, uh, "Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall." He, uh, he Reagan was in a was in a uh, a long a long campaign to lower oil prices, which is how uh, Russia survives or the Soviet Union survives is by the price of oil. And we drove down the prices of oil so that they would starve, and then we spent so much money on military that they couldn't keep up. And finally, they collapsed trying to. So, so when Mike Pompeo says, hey, we have to convince Putin that the price is too high, that's intelligence. That's intelligence. Uh, right? Hey, what should we do? Let's just keep sending money to, uh, 
to Zelensky. And of course, there's a whole there's a whole section I could talk about with the corruption in uh, in Ukraine and how and how uh, half when we send them money, how it just seems to trickle out to certain people. Amazing. So Thursday morning, Russia launched a widespread drone missile attack across Ukraine, killed at least 11 people. This is believed to be a response to the announcement that the West is sending in this support. So Putin's saying, hey, now all these countries are, are going to send in their tanks. They're going to get at us. Screw them. We're going we're gonna to send in some uh, drone missiles and kill some more people. Um, I think uh, we should look back at what, what Trump said. Hey, we need to convince. We need to negotiate a deal here. And he goes, I'm I'm happy to to uh, lead to lead this negotiations, which probably would be the smart thing to do, and convince uh, convince uh, Putin that it's it's too high of a price for his people, it's too high of a price for his country, and uh, that this doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense, and because Putin right now is looking for a way to save face, because he know he knows he's he's uh, not. I don't want to say he's losing the war. Because I've heard different different accounts, but he certainly not he certainly took took uh, took on a bigger uh, a bigger fiercer animal than what he thought he was. He thought he was going to go in and and just drop a few bombs and take uh, Ukraine back and take control of Ukraine. And clearly he doesn't. And now he's looking for a way to save face and say, okay, we're going to stop fire and we're going to go back and and let's negotiate something. So at least I look like I I got something for it. And we'll let you guys have back your country, and let's do some kind of negotiation so everybody everybody looks like they save face. Uh, but clearly, Biden's not that smart, nor is uh, most of the leaders in the in the world. And of course, they're they're used to to getting behind the United States, but the United States doesn't have anybody smart enough to make the right moves. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week.